0: good morning everybody it's good to see you it's good to be seen by all of you joining virtually as well thank you for being with us here at north haven if uh, we haven't met if you're seeing me for the first time or i'm seeing you for the first time uh, my name is adam Sither. i'm the senior pastor here and would love a chance to connect with you if you could afford me in that opportunity that'd be awesome i'll be in the commons after the service and uh, i can know how you can pray for you that'd be great um A couple things I want to let you know about here before we get going. First is uh, some of you uh, know the Houghtons, um, Don and Alta. Uh, Don passed away recently, uh, and uh, his service is going to be here at the church this Friday um, at 11 a.m., uh, there'll be a visitation at 10. It'll be live-streamed as well. So uh, if you'd like to join us for that celebration of life, um, uh, remembering Don, and then being there for Alta and for her family, uh, that'd be fantastic. So wanted to make you aware of that. Also, you may remember a year ago, we uh, did a, um, a fundraising campaign specifically for Talking Bibles. Uh, Talking Bibles um, are Bibles in audio format that are in languages of people in the world that don't have access to uh, the Bible um, and who oftentimes haven't even heard the message of Jesus Christ. And so what we did, if you remember, if you were here, uh, we adopted an area in Ethiopia, namely the Oromo people, and we had 160 Bibles. It was the first phase of sending talking Bibles to this part of of the world. And that was 160. Those went to, or those were planning to go to then pastors and evangelists in that Aroma region. Uh, And then they would start forming listening groups, 25 to 30 people that would come together and listen to the Bible in these groups. Uh, It's life-changing. Many come to know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior as a result of these listening groups and these talking Bibles. And so we had 160 of them in our services and I asked you all to put hands on them, and we prayed for those Bibles. And then those specific Bibles were able to then go to these people in the Oromo region of Ethiopia. Now, if you know a little bit of my story, you know for the last year I've been trying desperately to get to Ethiopia uh, to uh, see how uh, these Bibles, these talking Bibles, are interacting with um, the, the individuals in this part of the world that we've adopted haven't been able to do so, but Paul Lindbergh, who works with Talking Bibles, and he and his wife are uh, an important part of our church, uh, he has gone, and he recently just came back and was seeing then firsthand how those Bibles not only distributed, but then these listening groups are now starting to be formed, and again, like I said, people are hearing the gospel of Jesus Christ, and so we can and should celebrate that, and I look forward to seeing how that relationship between North Haven, And then this group of people on the other side of the world, uh, how that relationship continues to blossom and and, and grow here over the months and years. Uh, Speaking of talking Bibles, every year uh, they hold a fundraising event called Shine the Light. It's usually held here in the church. Um, Last year it was done virtually due to COVID, and they just recently made the decision. It was scheduled for this Thursday here in the building They've recently decided to make it a live stream event once again. Um, they're going to change the date. So if you're planning on being there this Thursday for Shine the Light, don't. <laughs> You'll be here by yourself. And that'll be weird. So um, we're going to let you know when those, what those details are when we find out. Um, and then one last thing before we move forward. Um, every week... I'm going to speak frank with you, and, and uh, I, I have to speak truth because I think that that's what you want to hear, and it's what I'm prone to say. So even if you don't want to hear it, whatever. I'm going to speak truth. Uh, the truth is is that um, we are doing amazing things here at North Haven. God is not finished with this place Uh, He's not anywhere close being finished with what we're doing here at North Haven. Uh, Every week we have upwards of 300 people that are coming into this building and interacting uh, with this church in various ways. Whether it's here in person um, or the live stream on Sunday mornings, um, whether it's our kids that are coming on Wednesday nights and Sunday mornings, whether it's our youth that are uh, part of the programming there, uh, small groups, Bible studies, uh, lots of different ways in which people are interacting with each other and with God and not to mention that, but we're also doing, continue to do uh, really important things in our community. We want to make Jesus known in this community, but we also want to meet our community where it's at. Uh, just a couple of examples. You know, I, I meet with the mayor of North St. Paul here on a regular basis, and we engage in conversations about how it is that uh, North Haven can continue to be involved in the lives of people that, that live in, these, in our neighborhoods. And then also, so uh, we pour into um, Richardson Elementary, again, just another example of how it is that we, on the regular, uh, want to bless the the, the faculty, the teachers, the staff, the principal, um, and then certainly the students and their families in very tangible and then, more importantly, spiritual ways. Um, We want to shine the light of Jesus Christ as we meet people where they're at. We're doing that stuff uh, on a continual basis. Um, and, and so, wh- what I what I'm hoping to do is to s- set a stage and in, in a and in a platform, and then encourage you, whether you're here in the room or whether you're joining uh, us virtually, to join my wife and I this Christmas, this December, um, to courageously um, be financially generous. Um, I want you to pray about how God may be leading you to courageously be financially generous this Christmas. Um, However that leading may may be, um, I want to challenge you to say to God, God, how do you want me um, to be financially generous this Christmas season? Allow God to interact and to speak truth to you. Um, we aren't done here, um, but we need generous giving. This church needs generous giving in order to continue the important work that he's called us to. So pray about that. Wouldn't hurt to do that, and allow God to speak to you in the midst of that. All right, well, we have been going through a series. This is our second week, a series we're calling Silent Night, Holy Night, this is a phrase that we sing every Christmas. It's a phrase that we hear, certainly. But what does that really mean? What does Silent Night, Holy Night mean? Specifically, what it is that we're looking at over this six-week series and today is how is it that we can find the balance between peace and significance? I mean, if you think about it, these are two very important words, are they not? Who doesn't want some semblance of peace in their life I mean if I asked any one of you would you like some peace this Christmas 100% you, you would say yes would you not <laughs> and if I asked um, any of you if you would like to experience significance if you would like to not only understand your significance but then understand the significance of, of why and, and, and who uh, you would want to know that too How is it that we can find the balance between peace, silent night, and significance, holy night this Christmas? And last last week, we looked at the peace of thankfulness, and and we we were kind of doing a shot across the bow. It hadn't really been the Christmas season yet, right? Thanksgiving hadn't occurred, but yet... How is it that we could enter into Thanksgiving, or I'm sorry, Christmas, with an attitude of thankfulness? How could that perpetuate this Christmas, where we spend more time thanking God than we do making it clear to others and to God what we want or what we need? We looked at prayer, specifically how we're taught to pray and how it is that we're supposed to thank God, give him the praise and adoration that he deserves, and then also petition for the sake of others. Pray for others, not pray for ourselves, but pray for others, and then trusting that others will be praying for us. And so today, we're going to now look at the significant sides. We're going to ping-pong this. We'll go back and forth over the next weeks. But today, we're going to look specifically at the significance of God with us. The significance of God with us. Namely, the the name that is given to Jesus, Emmanuel, and and the meaning of that name, God with us, what does that mean? mean? What is the significance of that? Right away in the beginning, and I'm going to be jumping around through, a, different, through a, a handful of different passages. If you would like to try to keep up with me, you're more than welcome to. Otherwise, if there's a passage that I think would bode well for you to turn to, I certainly will let you know. Um, not all of these will be on the screen, though. But right away at the beginning, what's the first book of the Bible? Help me out. Genesis. Right away in Genesis chapter 3, we see God's desire and purpose plan his ideal. In Genesis chapter 3, it says this. Then the man and wife heard the sound of the Lord as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. He was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. Three chapters in, we see God's ideal. Now, what wasn't ideal is if you know this part of Genesis, you know that in Genesis 3, everything went to hell in a handbasket, literally. That's what Adam and Eve sinned, right? Adam and Eve sinned, and in their shame, they hid from God. (laughs) I think that's kind of funny, actually. How often do we do that? We try to hide from God in vain, right? They hide from God in their shame, and we see here that as they were doing that, God was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. Imagine that. This is God, the creator of all things, majestic, holy. He's transcendent. He is so beyond us and beyond our comprehension, yet he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day, meaning the footsteps, the footprints of God's were next to the footprints of his creation, That's incredible. That was God's ideal. He created and desired to be in the midst of His creation. But then sin entered into the world, did it not? Adam and Eve messed it all up for the rest of us. Sin entered into the world and provided this huge chasm between a holy, and perfect God and an imperfect, unholy humanity. But if sin hadn't entered into the world, this would be our reality. This would be humanity's reality as God walks in the garden in the cool of the day. But ever since sin entered into the equation... This then has been God's sole purpose. This whole book from beginning to end is to get us in him back to this point. Back to God walking in the garden in the cool of the day in the midst of his creation. I mean, we see that. In Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14, 700 years before Jesus was born in a manger, the prophet Isaiah, he prophesied, he said in verse 14, he said, The Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will call him Emmanuel. That name is important. Call him Emmanuel. Now, in order for something to be a prophecy, what has to happen? Has to come true. Has to be fulfilled. And we see the fulfillment of that prophecy in Matthew chapter 1. This is the first passage that if you have your Bibles, I'd invite you to turn to. Matthew chapter 1, verses 20 through 23. A passage that... It is probably familiar to everybody because in some semblance we either hear this or read this around Christmas time Matthew chapter 1 verses 20 through 23 Joseph after Joseph had considered this an angel of the lord of the lord appeared to him in a dream and said Joseph wasn't yet he wasn't married to Mary right they were engaged The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. They will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. And all throughout Scripture then, from the beginning, from Genesis chapter 3 to the very end, there is this constant refrain, this constant message that God is speaking to his people over and over and over again. In different ways, in different shapes, in different forms, God is constantly saying this I am with you. I'm not going anywhere. Do not be afraid. Over and over and over again, God is saying to his people, I am with you. I'm not going anywhere. Do not be afraid. Over and over and over again. We see this in in Genesis uh, chapter 28. When we think about the Hall of Fame, the, the, the people in Scripture that, that uh, we hold on some semblance of a, of a pedestal, somebody like Jacob, for instance, in Genesis 28, verses 13 through 15, the Lord said to Jacob, I am the Lord, the God of your father Abraham, and the God of Isaac, I will give you and your descendants the land on which you are lying. Your descendants will be like the dust of the earth, and you will spread out to the west and to the east, to the north and to the south. All peoples on earth will be blessed through you and your offspring. I am with you. I am with you and will watch over you wherever you go. I am with you. I'm not going anywhere. Don't be afraid. I am with you. I am not going anywhere. Don't be afraid. In Exodus chapter 33, as Moses is leading the Israelites through the wilderness, again, we see this conversation between the Lord and Moses in Exodus 33, starting with verse 12. Moses said to the Lord, you have been telling me, lead these people But you have not let me know whom you will send with me. You have said, I know you by name, and you have found favor with me. If you are pleased with me, teach me your ways, so that I may know you and continue to find favor with you. Remember that this nation is your people. And the Lord replies to Moses, My presence will go with you, and I will give you rest. Again, I'm with you. I'm not going anywhere. Don't be afraid. And this refrain, this message continues all the way to the end. In Revelation, the last book of the Bible, second to last chapter of the Bible in Revelation 21, we now see the culmination behind God's purpose, the whole reason for everything that we see here in Scripture. In Revelation chapter 21, verses 1 through 4, it says this John, the apostle John, having this vision, then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God prepared as a bride beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, listen to this, look, God's dwelling place is now among the people. And he will dwell with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their god this whole book starting with genesis chapter 3 when sin entered into the world as god was walking in the garden in the cool of the day this whole book from genesis 3 to revelation 21 is solely about getting us and him to that place again Starting with Genesis 3, everything that happens in this book is to get us to Revelation 21. Getting us to this point where God's dwelling place is now among the people, and he will dwell with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. In Revelation chapter 21, sin is forever abolished and there's no more death, there's no more mourning, there's no more crying, there's no more pain. God's no longer saying the refrain over and over again, I am with you, I'm not going anywhere, don't be afraid. In Revelation 21, there's no need to say that because now we are in his midst and he is in ours because he's once again walking in the garden in the cool of the day. That's always been his goal. Let me give you an illustration. I have committed an egregious, horrible crime. I didn't really, but bear with me. I committed an egregious, horrible crime, and that horrible crime landed me in prison. And not only landed me in prison, but it also guaranteed that I would be sentenced to death. I would be executed. I was was essentially on death row. Before I had committed this crime, I had this, this perfect, harmonious relationship with my father. We were together. He was in my midst and I was in his. But now, being in prison and being on death row, waiting for my, waiting my eventual execution, now there was this barrier between he and I. I obviously had no freedom. I could not freely go. I could not fr- freely leave at my own will. I, I, I was behind bars. My father, on the other hand, could, could move around freely. He was able to come and go. And he would come and visit, and he would assure me over and over and over again, I am with you. I'm not going anywhere. Don't be afraid. Over and over again, my father would communicate to me, I am with you. I'm not going anywhere. Don't be afraid. And then something amazing happened, and I I, I can't understand it, I I can't really calculate it in any way, shape, or form. That's just what makes my father so incredibly special, is that he became this person, Jesus, and actually became an inmate himself inside of the same prison that I was in. And if that wasn't crazy enough, the state and the warden actually allowed Jesus to then assume my punishment. He didn't didn't take my guilt. He wasn't guilty. He was innocent, clearly innocent, but he, for some reason, was allowed to take the execution from me because of what I did. And so Jesus then was executed. He was executed in, in, in replacement of, of, of my pending execution. And if that wasn't crazy enough, then the door flung open and I was told that I could leave. I could go. I was guilty. Everybody knew I was guilty. It was obvious. I admitted my guilt. But yet... My guilt was sufficiently taken care of through the execution of Jesus, which allowed me then to go freely. To not only go freely, but then to be able to walk and talk freely with my Father. When we think of Christmas, we think of Jesus in the manger. We should that is amazing. The fact that God, that God came to earth and he became an infant, completely dependent on humanity, his creation for things like feeding him, taking care of his basic needs, tending to his, his cuts and bruises as he, as he grew up. Comforting him when he was bullied by other kids. It's crazy to think that God would do such a thing. But there is a reason. Why? It wasn't just so that we could feel all warm and fuzzy around Christmas time, thinking, oh, isn't that so cool? That God came to earth as a, as a baby boy. There was a reason. And it wasn't, it wasn't the end. Wasn't the cross. The end wasn't even the resurrection. That was the means. The reason why Jesus came, the reason why God came to us when we could not go to Him, the reason that He lived on this earth is because humanity had to pay the price for our sin that's why god had to become human and then innocent jesus took on the execution that was meant for us he took on our sin even though we were clearly guilty even though we clearly deserved that punishment jesus took it on and then died on the cross for you and for me and then rose from the dead because death needed to be defeated. But the reason why he did that, the reason is because God has wanted since day one to walk in the garden in the cool of the day With you and with me. That's been his goal this whole time. That's been his desire when he created all things. And right now, he's saying to you and he's saying to me, I'm with you. Listen, I'm not going anywhere. Don't be afraid. And then one day <laughs> this will be realized again in its full completeness, in its beauty, and in its, in its inconceivable majesty. We will walk with God in His midst and He will walk with us in ours. In Revelation 21, the very end of the story, <laughs> You know what it says? They will be his people and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death. There will be no more mourning. There will be no more crying. There will be no more pain. There will be no more disappointment. There will be no more failure. There will be no more broken relationships. There will be no more uncertain futures. The goal, this whole book is dedicated to God's love letter and his relentless pursuit of you and me, so that we can once again walk with him in the garden in the cool of day. That is why he came. That's why God with us is so significant. Let's pray. Father, I... I thank you for the revelation, the truth of your word how it shows us in its completeness from beginning to end not only your desire but your plan and then your victory in getting us from where we once were to that again You have not abandoned us. Even when we have abandoned you, you remain faithful, you remain true. You are with us. You're not going anywhere. We shall not be afraid. Thank you for pursuing us so that for those who have entrusted their lives to you, who believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, who believe that he came to us, Emmanuel, God with us, and then died on the cross, having taken our punishment as his own, and then rose from the dead, defeating death providing a way everlasting and that by believing in Jesus that we are saved and guaranteed that we will once again walk in the garden with you in the cool of the day thank you thank you in your name. Amen. Would you stand as we respond here this morning?